Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. It sure didn't take too long for them to come up with yet another moronic charge and if you look at the headlines in the major websites today, I'm, I'm going like on strike. I'm refusing to read some of these stories. The headlines are so salacious. And inevitably, you get bummed out when you read them because A, you got, you got fooled by the headline. And even worse, if the headline is even accurate, some stuff really just, uh, there's a better way to frame it. That's all I'm going to say. But I'll give you just one sample. Headline on the Drudge Report. Shock claim Trump sex at Epstein Mansion. Many girls. Warning. Graphic details. I mean, really? Really? How come that headline isn't Bill Clinton, who, by the way, spent way much more time there and didn't wasn't accompanied by his wife? Because that would have really put a damper on everybody's mood. But, uh, you know, th- this is just so disgusting. And they I don't know what else they can throw at this man. But they'll find something. They really will. And I'm watching all the people turn. I don't know why it is that some people have such a problem with loyalty. I've known it all my life. I've had I've been betrayed enough to know that. But watching it now in terms of really the state of the union for real for real just gives me a massive headache and a, a lot I got some anger issues. No question about it. I probably could use a little uh a little therapy, anger management or some such class. But it's okay. Because it it really is an asset for a radio host. You might you got to feel some kind of way, and you have to feel over the top, or you're not going to be very engaging and definitely not entertaining. And I've always said this is infotainment. This is information presented in what's supposed to be a relatively engaging and entertaining format. That's what talk radio is about. You know, when people used to say we were the world wrestling foundation of politics. I didn't get insulted by that. You you should never think that there's any individual, I don't care how smart they are, I don't care how many credentials they have after their name, I don't care how many times you've been impressed by their monologues, there's nobody out there that you should believe all the time. Back it up. If you can't find backup, and keep moving. You know, the only, uh, the word of God's the only thing I believe. <laughs> How about that? That really limits your 
resources. Anyway, I, I, um, I'll be talking with Fane Lozman because we weren't able to connect last week when I was in uh, San Francisco. We tried, but we couldn't get on the air together. So I'm going to bring him on. I mean, the man, th th it reminds me in many ways of Donald Trump. Some people get their enemies or their opposition because they don't declare them enemies. The enemies decide to be enemies. But some people just can't stop, even when it's working against them. I mean, Fane Lozman has prevailed at the Supreme Court twice. Donald Trump is going to be prevailing at the Supreme Court multiple times, trust me, in the next year. And he has certainly prevailed in the court of public opinion. His numbers keep going up, which part of you guys have helped him to achieve a victory that at first everybody was kind of questioning and nervous about. So whatever it is they've done that they thought was so negative ended up helping Donald Trump. And it's the same with Fane Lozman. That's why he's coming on. I mean, he's a guy who gets chased and prosecuted for things that literally thousands of people have been doing every day in America and nobody bothers them. <laughs> you know, that doesn't, it's not big enough. It's, it's petty. But boy, they, they like to go after fame. They like to go after Donald Trump. And they don't have any friends. I mean, I, I consider myself a friend of Fane, but no, he can't trust anybody. Think about it. Everybody's got an opinion and nobody can really understand what it's like to be a target like that. I've been a minor target during my career. There have been times when they've come after me with a maliciousness and a vengeance that was almost incomprehensible, but never like what I see, you know, these two men going through. I don't know, you know it's probably not the right comparison, but I have no other. And it seems pretty relevant today. And we now have uh, the former vice president, Mike Pence, defending the FBI over how they played a major role in what happened on January 6th. I mean, if you watch enough of this videotape, and see, that's the problem. We can now watch videotape of things that we used to have to believe the reporting about, right? I saw some of the GoPro footage that the Hamas monsters gathered on themselves, evidence against themselves, when they were slaughtering innocent people and doing heinous things that I can't even, I'm not gonna say them because they give me nightmares. I don't need to pass the nightmares on to you. But you can no longer tell me, well, it was a, you know, a peaceful interaction. When I can see it wasn't. You can't tell me that when they open up the doors and invite people into the Capitol, which by the way is done every day, that those people are insurrectionists. When people didn't stop the peaceful transition, where's the crime? For the life of me, we have wasted so many people's time, money, and, and their freedom on something, uh, there's no there there. I hate using expressions like that, a nothing burger, but, but how else do you describe this? And now they arrested more people. And, and Mike Pence is defending the Federal Bureau of Idiots. You know, Judas 
has nothing on uh, on Pence. And I'm surprised. This was not the Mike Pence I knew. Something happens when you go to Washington and you're there long enough, you just turn into like some kind of uh, slimy, monstrous, ugh. I mean, very few politicians escape with their sanity or with their dignity. And I thought Mike Pence would, but no, didn't work out that way. Barr didn't. I had a friend who said to me, what a snake in the grass. Not even in the grass. It's a slithering snake above the grass. You got this fame-hungry DA in, in New York, this Letitia James. Now she's trying to up the ante in the civil trial against Donald Trump to $370 million. This, this woman is, she lost her mind. And and the and the public, the, the media and the left and the Democrats, they're all like clapping, like she did something good. Yeah, I heard Mark Levin yesterday say, I wasn't yesterday, but I heard it yesterday. I guess it was his show on Friday. He said that all that speech that Joe Biden made when he pretended he was like George Washington and you know he had a revolution, I don't know what he was talking about. He's always so incoherent to me. But he said that wasn't a speech. That was directions being given to the FBI, the Attorney General, the Democrats in Congress, and the media. This is what you know. What Joe Biden wants the public to be thinking about: that there was an insurrection, even though we did have a peaceful transition. Okay, there was an insurrection. Donald Trump is responsible for the insurrection, and whatever has to be done to make sure that he doesn't become a president again. He just told them, go do it. You know, all gloves are off. Even if it's not legit, just do it. I have no idea why Donald Trump would persevere. I mean, talk about it. Man of steel. That's all. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you have all of the information right on your cell phone, on your hand, in your hand. You can listen to podcasts. You can listen to the traffic, it's, it's just a good thing to have on your phone or your laptop. And if you don't want to do that, visit the website, 850wftl.com, so you can participate in all these great contests. Now, I understand that my voice is uh, whatever it is, but I was just listening to Dan Bongino, and when your content is good, the crappy voice doesn't really bother you. So my content is good. Um, forgive me for being sick. It happens to the best of us. Thank God you don't have to be near me. And anyway, I'm not contagious. Let's All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find on uappodcast.com. Let me take a break. I'll be coming back with faith. You know, there are just some people who you will get to meet in life. And then there are some people who uh, are almost surreal. And when you get to meet them, you you learn quickly to cast aside any, you know, thing you might be thinking about the person because there's always going to be a, a yet or a next. Fane Lozman is one of those people. I have him on the line. He's a, an inventor, He's a, a, a trader, and of course, he is the longest-running 
legal battle winner with the city of Riviera Beach here in Florida. And for that, all of us ought to say thank you, Fane, for just doing what you do. So, Fane, what's going on? Oh, Joyce, all hell is broken out, for lack of a better word. Uh-oh. Um, my floating home, you know, when it was originally sunk in 2016, I had to destroy it. So I came up with a floating home that would uh, un- be unsinkable. Right. It was built on a concrete float with a shipping container. I spent $60,000 converting the shipping container into a home, mm. put it on the float, and I put it on my property... And the city of Riviera Beach went to the Army Corps in Jacksonville, the city manager, and um, lobbied them along with FDEP, the Department of Environmental Protection for the state of Florida, to take an enforcement action against my floating home. Here's where it gets interesting. In the last two and a half years, I'm only one of two cases they've taken enforcement action on in the entire state of Florida, the Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico. What do you make of that? I make you very special. <laughs> and they're very stupid because you prevail against these kinds of legal machinations. And I guess they think you're either going to get tired or run out of money. And I'm just so grateful but, that you're not tired. Right. But I mean, this is in federal court. Don't federal judges have better things to do with their lives than, than, than deal with a. Uh, a, a container home. I mean, they have sunken barges by, uh, uh, you know, the major marinas in Riviera Beach. They have, they have houseboats, floating homes all through the state of Florida in Key West and and and, and uh, Fort Myers. But they're just focusing on me. And I, and you know why they're focusing on me? And I, and I really believe that I had made a comment. Uh, you know, when President Trump was running for office in 2016, he was aware of my floating home that was on my property. He he made a comment. If uh, for some reason he didn't win the 2016 election, he wanted to build some floating homes up there because right. it's, it's really a, one of the few places left in South Florida where there's waterfront property that hasn't been built on. And there are so many people in the Department of Justice and the Army Corps that hate President Trump. Oh, yeah. And this is like, oh, well, President Trump says something. We need it. We need to target whoever he said something nice mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And, and I, I know that's going on with these guys. Oh, I said earlier in my opening monologue that, you know, that I've never I've never seen the attacks, the relentless attacks against two individuals. I compared the two of you. And it's so personal. It's like it doesn't make sense on paper. Why would you expend the money to chase after you and your floating homes when the Supreme Court has said, you know, no, 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 you're wrong and he's right. Um, and they just can't help themselves. It's a real like derangement syndrome, Fane. It's Fane Lozman derangement syndrome. Joyce, Joyce they, ha- they have um, seven... DOJ lawyers working on my case, seven, seven of them. Yeah, they had a hearing, and they brought one from Jacksonville, one from Washington, D.C., one from Miami, and another one from somewhere else to go to court. Mm-hmm. Seven lawyers. Don't they have uh, 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 people who are committing banking fraud and, uh, and uh, terrorist plot? Don't they have jobs for these seven lawyers instead of them all coming down here and wasting taxpayers' money on one floating home that's on private property? No. It it is incomprehensible. 
Yeah, but it is symbolic. I mean, I'm sorry that you end up being the symbol of how little they care about freedom. It's, it's the fact that you continue to say, I have a right to do this. I'm, you know, I'm in a position to be able to do it and I'm going to do it. And that they hate that. They want you to bend over and say, uh, okay, I'll, I'll go live in, uh, you know, in a house on the, on the beach. President Trump gets reelected. He needs to go into the Army Corps. He needs to go into DOJ. He needs to clean these people out and get some men and women of integrity that are not going to use their position to target people for political reasons. Yeah. And you know what's really sad about this, Fane, really, ultimately, is that it's not just the expenditure, but it's the chilling nature of when they do this. Because you have been in a position all along to have great legal counsel, to be able to, you know, sustain lawfare against the United States government, you know, whether it's the city of Riviera Beach or anything else, you're fighting more than City Hall. And you've been able to do that, but what, what it really tells the rest of us is that if you're not in a position, don't even start. Just let them do what they want, and you, ha you need to walk away. And that's really sad. It, it is sad. Mm -hmm. It's sad that, you know, I served my country honorably. My brother is a colonel in the Air Force Reserve. My father served during Korea. My grandfather served in World War I in the trenches and lost his hearing. So we fought for the First Amendment. But yet if you exercise the First Amendment, <laughs> the U.S. government is going to target you and Riviera Beach is going to target you. That's all they have to do is just – you can't believe the – Riviera Beach has spent well over $3 million targeting me. Oh and now you have the U.S. government has, what, six or seven lawyers targeting me. I mean, it, it's just incomprehensible, the waste of money trying to target somebody based on his free speech and also based on what President Trump said. How, how much money are they using to target him? Oh, please. It, it, you know, there needs to be a shakeup. When he gets reelected, he needs to shake this up, that this will never happen again to a president in the future. Hey, listen, I agree with you. I just think that the, it's so deep, the swamp, and, you know, th these agencies are infiltrated. They're like, you'd have to tent them and literally, uh, you know, fumigate because these people have been there for decades and they feel as though they have a right to micromanage your life and my life. And fortunately, you're a champion for the, the little guy. I've always you said that and always respected you for that. But at some point, Fane, don't you just want to throw up your hands and say it's just not worth a fight? You know, Joyce, winners never quit and mm. quitters never win. That's right. And, you know, when you reached out to me in 2009, you haven't quit on any fights. That's why I call you the kingmaker. <laughs> you recognize people that have the leadership to make this country better. So I'm not going to quit. But I think what happens, I'm 62. I may die out while some of these fights are still going on. <laughs> You're a kid. You know? Yeah. No, listen, I, you know, as I, I've always said to you, uh, I believe that it's so clear. And, and having have been fortunate to be sitting in the Supreme Court when the argument about your floating home was taking place and listening to people on the right and on the left point out the spurious, the, the ridiculous nature of the attack against you. And I thought, you know, this is important stuff and it will go down in history. Never mind that I think you'd go back and win again. But listen, you may be going back a third time. 
I may be going back a third time on the taking case. The taking right. case is I'm being represented by Justice Scalia's former clerky and Samuel, and they they downzoned my property. I bought all this property was zoned residential, and they took it away and made it into a, basically into a park and didn't pay me for it. Mm. So that's up in the court of appeals in Atlanta now. But I just tell you, just I, I had to fill you in because there was an interesting angle with President Trump and the floating home, and just to tell you the the unbelievable legal firepower they're targeting at me from the U.S. government. You know, it, it can be intimidating for a lot of people. They would just give up, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to yeah. fight this out, and hopefully we'll go to trial in March. Yeah, well, I have talked to a few people about it that are in the inner circle, including an attorney, and it, he's just got so many legal cases going on right now that it's hard to get their attention. But I believe when he gets reelected, this is going to be uh, on top of the pile because this is an easy win for freedom. Um, a president would you know, be in a great position to do that, and, and it would be his legacy. Well, I look forward to meeting him when he gets reelected, <laughs> telling him firsthand what's gone down here in Palm Beach County. Yeah, well, if anybody knows what Palm Beach County can do to an individual's rights, he's another person who's been targeted. Fane, you just keep Absolutely. on— yeah, you keep on fighting the good fight. Happy New Year to you. Hope I hope I get to see you. I, only, I think I only saw you once last year. Right. We'll get together for lunch. Happy New Year, Joyce. Take care. All right. You take care. And, of course, you know, I've been fighting the fight alongside of Fane, but it's on his shoulders. And, and when I think about how some people are just, they're physiologically able to withstand enormous amounts of psychological and even physical punishment. You know, I, I just, I'm always amazed, but I'm always grateful because it, it, it restores my faith. As long as you're willing to fight for a good cause, you got to do it. You know, what's our choice? I'm not giving up on this country. I, there's no way to go. People ask me that all the time. Like, well, where would you go? There's no way to go. This is my country. This country provided me with every opportunity, and now it's trying to eliminate opportunity. It's trying to create a society where you have, you know, your rights just disappear. They vanish. You know, I'm listening to the, this whole controversy around the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, and all this, and, and I'm thinking to myself, how did we get into this mess? Well, we did with this diversity, equity, and inclusion crap, which I called from the start. I said, this isn't going to work because you're going to end up with a lot of people who use it as an excuse or use it as a way of targeting other people. It's so, uh, it's so clear. That's why I say I, I can't give up the fight. I don't have as much fight in me as I used to. I don't have a three, four hour fight in me every day, but I got a fight left and I got a, we got an election we got to win. You guys understand that, right? We got a country that we got to save and we ain't joking. It's got to happen. Anyway, let me take a break. Stay right where you are and I will be right back. Okay, so while I am uh, fairly disinterested, I'm interested in, in so far as I think that the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing was monstrous and that all the people who participated, um, you know, have, a, have, a, have to answer for their behavior. It's, it, it bothers me that, you know, rich people can get away with stuff. Um, because it's just, if you, if you are 
cavorting with minor girls, it is a crime, a heinous crime to me. It's, it's as bad as a crime gets short of murder. And yet, eh, everybody like played it off. Well, we knew about Harvey Weinstein and we knew about Jeffrey Epstein and we knew the President uh, Clinton and we knew and we knew. Well, how can we accept it? The fact that we know is one thing, but how do we accept this stuff? How, let me ask you this question. How do you accept the fact that the Secretary of Defense literally disappeared and didn't tell anybody. The, the Deputy Secretary of Defense, the Kathleen Hicks, she did not learn that Secretary Austin had been hospitalized until nearly three days after she had started doing all these, uh, you know, performing all the duties of uh, Secretary of Defense. I mean, that's reported. He was admitted to the intensive care unit on New Year's Day, on January 1st, but his hospitalization was kept secret. Like, how does that happen? How do you have the man who, alongside of President Biden, controls the nuclear football? I use that as the most dramatic example, but he's literally in charge of the military. And he just kind of disappears or, or takes a, a, a medical procedure, has a, a, apparently an elective medical procedure and doesn't tell anybody. And then the whole world sits around, not just us, but the leadership around the world sits around and goes, well, wait a minute, who's monitoring the Department of Defense? Yeah, who's taking care of all of the principal you know, duties that are out there? Think about it. There are wars raging. We've got shipping lanes shut down. We've got uh, Chairman Xi licking his ch chops, thinking this is the time to move. Taiwan will seem like nothing. I'll, I think I'll go in and take the Philippines while I have a chance. This is how I see the world looking at us right now. And meanwhile, this Deputy uh, Secretary of Defense, this Kathleen Hicks, was on leave. When, when Lloyd Austin decided to go have whatever this medical procedure is, which we're not allowed to know, it was an elective medical procedure. We're not allowed to know what it was. He began experiencing severe pain, was rushed back to the hospital, not just any hospital, okay? Walter Reed in an ambulance, and he's admitted to the ICU where he stays for days. And then, oh, well, that's because uh, he needed his privacy and uh, we wanted to accommodate. Wait a minute. The, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, this uh, C.Q. Brown Jr., who's, by the way, not in the chain of command, was told on January 2nd that Austin had been hospitalized and that the secretary's authorities were now transferred to the Deputy Secretary of Defense. And the Pentagon didn't even explain how that decision was made or who should be you know, notified. And, and we now find out that neither Brown, the Chief of Staff, the Joint Chiefs of Staff General, or Kathleen Hicks didn't even know that they were kind of in charge. You cannot operate a country and a military of this size in this manner. It's really 
I don't get it. So, of course, now we're all trying to figure out. Now, the big thing is, what was the operation? You know, it was an elective procedure, but he ends up in intensive care. What happened? I think we deserve to know. And I mean the details. Like, if he went in to have his stomach stapled or something like that, it's not such a big deal. It's not a, a shame, and I'm sure, I, look, I don't know that that's even close to what he went in for, but when you say an elective procedure and you're talking about a man, I don't think it's a facelift. I just don't. He didn't need a facelift. So it's probably uh, something, he's a little on the heavy side, maybe the Ozembic didn't work for him. I don't know, maybe he, he had a gastric bypass, because there are some, you know, some, detrimental reactions to that surgery by many people. As a matter of fact, I was looking at the odds on a black male in his age group having that surgery done is high risk. So it could have been that. I don't think he went in for a nose job. I mean, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm sure everybody is. And now now we're being told he's improving. He's, we wish him a speedy recovery. What? I want to know why the Department of Defense deliberately withheld his medical condition for days. That is unacceptable. And, and you don't have to be in Congress to demand answers. You're supposed to immediately notify Congress whenever there's a vacancy in any executive office and you need to tell Congress who is going to be serving as the acting official in that vacancy? And, and, and to tell me, well, it was, it was an evolving situation. I love when they say that. They have these little catchphrases and they're designed to make me go, oh, okay. No, no, okay. What do you mean an evolving situation? So he might have died. And then what? Nobody even knew he was hospitalized. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe he died. Who knows? Do you trust anything you're hearing now? We are considering the impact of any statutory reporting requirements and will provide updates as appropriate. This is not a game. I don't understand why the government at this point is run amok and the media is covering for them. The media isn't even asking questions. Very few are. And when you look at who are asking the questions, it's basically conservative media and conservative uh, you know, members of Congress. The others one, yeah, roll their eyes, eh, it's going to be blah, blah, blah. No, no, this isn't, it. look, if Pete Buttigieg disappeared on paternity leave, which he did right at the beginning of his serving as Secretary of Transportation. Big deal, right? You know, the Secretary of Transportation is a more important position than we give it credit for, but he's, it's okay if he's not there. The world is not watching to say, ooh, is the uh, Secretary of Transportation in his office today? Or the Secretary of Labor? You know, or even, I mean, there's a lot of cabinet positions where, okay, the office can run. But the Department of Defense, 
Are you kidding me? We got the whole world looking at us now. We allowed the Houthis to attack us. And, and the head of our military, eh, he, uh, he disappeared for a few days. No big deal, right? I just, I just don't get it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm overreacting, but when you, I wonder whether the secretaries of the Army and the Navy and the Air Force or all the other uh, top DOD officials feel okay that they didn't know anything until January 5th. I mean, we found out on January 5th. So we knew at the same time as the people leading the various uh, branches of our military. What the? I, I, I'm just, I'm scratching my head. But they get away with it. And I, I'm looking at some of this electoral nonsense that's happening now. You know, they're not just trying to take Donald Trump off of ballots. Now they're coming after Republicans all over the place, like 120-something Republicans that are being called insurrectionists, and they're trying to get them off ballots. You know, this is a nightmare. And I, I can tell you who's responsible for the nightmare, but in the final analysis, we're responsible. When we continue to allow government to act as though they were playing a game of risk, then this is what you get. This is clearly being monitored more closely by Putin and Xi Jinping or Xi Jinping, whatever, you name the, the, the tyrant and the country that they are currently uh, holding hostage. Um, I, Argentina, Venezuela, all these countries are looking and they're saying, well, if you're going to have an ally, America's probably not a good choice. They don't even know where their Secretary of Defense is for days. It, if it weren't so frightening, there'd be a lot of great jokes about it. But it's a little too, little too frightening. And now, uh, you know, we, we're listening to some of these reports that are just mind-boggling to me. I, I thought I'd heard it all, and then 2024 happened. Here we are, New Year, and I'm listening to stories which are so disgusting. Now we have anti-Semitism at my hometown at a school as they're shouting against a visiting team this was taking place in Westchester County, New York, just outside of the city, right? The matchup got uh, very unsportsmanlike, let's say that. But to, to insert anti-Semitism into it at Roosevelt High School, early college studies, a government-run school in Yonkers, when the visiting team from the Leffel School, which is a private Jewish institute in Hartsdale, faced off and what was, I mean, it started off hostile, so it wasn't going to go up from there. But one of the players who detailed the whole thing in an op-ed for her school's newspaper, he said throughout, throughout the first half of our game, it was somewhat hostile environment with substantially more jabs and comments thrown at the players on our team than what I have experienced in the past. Members of our team started to get injured from the other team's physical style of play. And at the end of the quarter, players on the opposing team started shouting, free Palestine, 
and other anti-Semitic slurs and curses at us. I support Hamas, you effing Jew, was chanted. Hey, if this ain't the, the, the descent into Gomorrah, I don't know what is. Young kids shouting anti-Semitic slurs at a basketball game. We're in deep, real deep. Need Trump? Sorry. I know that upsets you, but doesn't upset me. It's my hope. Anyway, don't forget coming up after me, Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs and Lars Larson, and then the Red Eye guys overnight, and Jen and Bill. Jen will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. That's looking forward to that. She'll have some stories to tell, I'm sure. And then we have uh, Brian Kilmeade at 9, Dan Bongino back at noon with his crummy voice, and then I'll be back at 3 o'clock with my crummy voice. But I've got one segment left today, so please stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So the big deal, right, is uh, looking at some of these Senate races. And, and yes, I jump around from subject to subject because I have an hour and I, got, I have to get you apprised and up to speed, and then we're going to... Uh, do a lot more in-depth analysis. As a matter of fact, this week I begin again just showcasing people who are running for office in this part of the world, okay? Because it matters who's running in Florida in districts 21, 23. It matters who's going to be in the state Senate, in the House. And I'll bring on as many of those candidates as possible beginning this week. And one of the reasons I do that is they're so, you know, they're so easy to expose. You know who the fakes, frauds, and phonies are. I don't even have to do it. It's like I've learned over the years that all I do is let them talk. You know, what is your position? How do you plan on conducting business if you get elected? What are your beliefs? What are your fundamental core values? And then they have an opportunity to present that to you, and I trust you. Very seldom do I, uh, you know, jump in and get all excited about a candidate. And I've learned that uh, it's, it's not the best idea. Sometimes I can't help it. Sometimes they just, you know, you got a winner. Um, but it's you that has to be paying attention. And if you never get a chance to hear them, how do you make a decision? They're looking at their website. That's ridiculous. I need to hear somebody. And I mean, I think if more people had actually had to listen to Joe Biden in 2020 and realized that he was a babbling old man, they might have refrained, although I doubt it. You know, and now his new campaign, he made it very clear, and as he posed as George Washington, his entire campaign is based on Donald Trump as Hitler. And whatever it takes to stop him is permissible. He told that out loud so that anybody in government, anyone in law enforcement has been given the green light, just go, go after him. And they have, and they will, and he'll win. It's amazing to me how they don't connect, how much, uh, when Donald Trump tells audiences they're not just coming for me. They're coming for you. We get that. And we don't like it. 
we don't appreciate being treated as though we were some kind of detour or, you know, in the way. We are the people of this country. So I know the Senate Democrats campaign arm, they're going to spend tens of millions of dollars on reelecting guys like John Tester in Montana and Sherrod Brown in Ohio because they had that slim majority and they need to protect it. I can only pray, and I do, that Trump has coattails and that people who are fed up with what's going on in the House and in the Senate and in the wherever, the judicial system, and boy, in these cabinet positions, I, I don't think we could take another four years with you know Pete Buttigieg and the MIA uh, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. If I were writing like a comedy show about a country that was literally falling apart in front of the world, uh, we have some good uh, stuff, good material, unfortunately, coming right out of Washington, D.C. They're just a mess. So that's it. That pretty much does it for me today. I uh, know that there's a couple of uh, interesting races we'll be following closely, not just local, but all over the place. Bernie, Bernie Marino's an interesting case. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is simple. I'll be back here tomorrow at three o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And pay attention. All of the programming that you hear, none of it is designed to uh, convince you of anything. It's to inform you. But in other words, you still got to do the homework. Don't depend on Bongino and me and go, go out there and find out the answers. And then may God bless you and may God bless the USA. See you tomorrow at three. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.